0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. And you can open your Bibles with me over to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy, fifth book in the Old Testament, chapter 30. For the last few weeks, we have been... uh, working with three passages of Scripture that have been on my heart for a while. Uh, We've been kind of working, we've worked through a couple of them, and we're going to start into the third one today. Um, Basically, I mean, this is a little less topical than usual, but but basically we're talking about how to set the course of our life uh, in the correct direction, how to set the course of our life. And so, we started out over in James chapter 3, and we looked at some things that James said there. He he talked about the the tongue, uh, or our words, our mouth. When he says the tongue, he's talking about the words that we speak. And we know from what Jesus taught, and the rest of the Bible, that uh, what comes out of our mouth is intimately connected to what we build up in our hearts, what you believe. In fact, if you think about it, even your salvation, okay, think about it, even your salvation, What's that based on? Believing in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and confessing with your mouth that he's your Lord, right? Believing in the heart, confessing with the mouth. So the scripture tells us that Jesus told us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Now we can say things that are not in abundance in our heart, but whatever is in abundance with your heart eventually is going to come out and it's going to come out with faith and passion and power. And James compared that whole process, the tongue, but I always I always say heart slash tongue because the two are intimately connected. But so James compared that whole process to the rudder on a ship. And he said, you know, the rudder is a really small part, but it directs the course of the ship. It directs the course of the boat wherever the helmsman decides that it should go. And so we spent some time, and if you want to catch up on any of this, you can go to rmcmchurch.org, you can get podcasts, you can get, there are free CDs out there if you still use CDs. Uh, there's, we have you know, it's on YouTube. Anyway, you can, you can go find all this stuff. But but um, we, we talked about that whole issue of what how a sailing vessel is driven and, and what role the rudder has and what role the wind has and all those kinds of things. All right, so we talked about that a uh, couple of weeks ago. And James said in chapter three, verse two, he actually said, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could control ourselves in every other way. Now, again, you've got to link that up with how do you control the tongue? It's not, he's not just talking about faking it or controlling what you say, although many times that is really a good idea to just don't say everything or type everything that comes to mind. It really is a good idea. It's a good starting place. But ultimately, if we're going to change our direction and and what is flowing freely out of our lives, we need to change the input into our hearts. And so we went over to uh, Proverbs chapter 4 then, and we spent some time last week in that Uh, where it tells us to guard our hearts and keep our hearts with all diligence because out of it flow the boundaries, the issues of life. And we talked about that. We talked about how to regulate what you're, and think about what you're putting into your heart. And I wanted to add uh, just a a couple of, you guys are in Deuteronomy, that's fine. I just wanted to add a couple of thoughts to all of that. Um, As far as dealing with what's in what is being built up in our hearts in abundance what is in my heart what do i actually believe what is the foundation of my life which is going to come out of my mouth and direct the course of my life according to the scripture in dealing with that jesus put it this way in john chapter 15 now i'm just going to paraphrase all this he said if you will make your permanent home in me or if you will make me make jesus your permanent dwelling place. It uses the term "abide" in many of your translations. That means you make it your home. It's not a motel room. It's not some place you visit once in a while. It's not some place you just pass by uh, or go to shop or whatever. It's your home. You make Jesus your home, and then He said, "If, if, and then if you will let My words make their home in you, their permanent home." So his words, again, they're not just visitors. They're not, they're not just something you visit or that visit you. They're not, uh, they're not drive-by shooters, you know, that just throw something into your life once in a while. You know, they're not, his words live on the inside of you. They, they set up their household, okay, and you. It means they make changes. They, they restore, they renovate the inside of you. He says, if you do those two things, then your life will be fruitful and it'll be fruitful with eternal things, with, with kingdom things. And so the idea there is that when we, you know, one of the things he says about fruit is when you look at it, you can tell what's inside the tree. You can tell what the life of the tree, what kind of tree it is. If you see an, an apple hanging in a tree, it's a pretty good guess that that's an apple tree, right? So, it, so we look at that outward fruit, the nature of your life, and we see Jesus. Just by the way that you live, and again, he's ne- he never talks to us about just faking all of that. He talks about change on the inside that produces something different on the outside. So, so we've got to uh, we've got to make our home in Him and let His words have our home in have their home in us, and then our life and our influence and our priorities and all those things will change. So that just in your natural life, you'll be producing, you'll be releasing his character into your community. Just what Annie was just talking to us about. You'll be not just representing him, but really bringing him into the middle of where you live. And then over in Mark chapter four, in verses 24 and 25, I want to read these to you from the Amplified. This is the new Amplified Bible, I think. Um, He he says this, he he comes through his his whole parable about seed time and harvest. And then it says that Jesus said, this is Mark chapter four, verses 24 and 25 it says, pay attention to what you hear. Okay. So there it is again, pay attention. And the idea here is pay attention to what you're listening to. What are you putting value on? What are you, what are you taking in? Pay attention to it. Actually, some of the translations say, be careful of it. So it's, there's a real sense of awareness here. There's a real sense of, I, if, if I want to set my course this way, I don't need to be spending my time listening to that, reading that, watching that, having those conversations, that kind of thing. Be careful what you're hearing. Okay, Jesus said this. And it goes on, he says, By your own standard of measurement, by your standard of measurement. That is, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom. To the extent that you and I study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom. So when I hear something that the Lord is saying to me, when I hear that, Do I take time to think about it, to study it a bit, to meditate on it, to ask him questions about it? Or do I just kind of, oh, that was cool, and blow it off and go on about my life? What's your standard in that? How do you live that? And then apply godly wisdom by your standard. Do I then say, just like Annie was just saying, okay, I see this in the Word. What does my life look like with that wisdom at work in my life? What, what What I'm seeing in God's Word What is my work life? What is my relationship with my boss or my employees or my coworkers? What does that look like? What is my relationship with my husband, wife, children, family, friends? What, what What does all that look like? What does my political outlook look like according to what Jesus is saying, what the word of God says? He says, to the extent that you study spiritual truth, and apply godly wisdom, and I can just feel this in my heart right now, somebody's saying, boy, this is too much responsibility. This is Jesus talking, okay? This is Jesus talking. We have a responsibility in this. His grace and his life, the the powers in the word, the powers in the word to to bring itself to pass, but we have to give ourselves to it. It's not just something we just toy with. So Anyway, to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, to that extent, he says, it will be measured to you, get this, and you will be given even greater ability to respond. You'll be given greater ability to respond. Let me finish this. It says, and more will be given to you besides, get this, for whoever has a teachable heart, all right, apparently that's a choice of ours. Am I going to keep my heart open to God or am I just going to pick and choose stuff that, That is in the scripture? Am I going to decide, well, I like that, don't really like this, not going to pay attention to that. I really like this stuff about healing. I don't so much care for having to forgive people. You know, I mean, what, you know, are you going to do it like that? Or are you going to have a teachable heart? Lord, whatever you're teaching me, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to apply it. Okay. He says, for whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. Whoever does not have a yearning for truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. So this thing of having a teachable heart, that means just keeping an open heart and willing to change. That's what that means. You come to God, you come to his word, you're willing to change. All right. And then having a yearning for truth. And I just, while I was praying before service, I just felt like I was supposed to bring this up. I frequently talk to people who who say, you know, I'm just not, I'm not excited about God or I'm not hungry, you know, for the word. I'm not hungry for the presence of God. And a lot of times it's because, and maybe they were at one time. They really felt that way. But then for whatever reason, things happen in life and they quit spending time in the word. They quit coming to church. Maybe they quit, you know, coming to worship nights, spending time in God's presence intentionally. Because of that, they no longer have that drive that they did have at one time. And it's bothering them, which is a good thing that it's bothering them. But I just wanted to bring out this principle again. We've talked about it a lot of times. Um, what we're taught in the scripture is that in, in spiritual things, when you come and eat, right? The scripture says that God's always setting a table before us. He's always setting out his, his word and his life. And we're there. Jesus said, we, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's, we're supposed to be hungry for that. When you feed, when you come and eat on spiritual things, you get hungrier whereas in the natural when we eat we get full and satisfied they're they're just opposite of each other when we think about <clears throat> and it's weird because <clears throat> when you feed on spiritual things and feed on the lord there is a satisfaction that comes with it but it's not a it's not a uh a fullness, a, a satiation where you don't want anymore, like it can be with food. Most of us get there eventually with food, you know. Might take a while, but we get there eventually where I really still want to eat this, but I can't eat another bite. It's it's not like that with spiritual things. If you will go, if you want to develop a yearning for truth, go start eating truth, even if you just start snacking on it. Start going to the word. Make it a daily thing. Go every day and spend time in the word. Spend time with the Lord. Ask him questions about your life. Spend time in his presence. Worship him. Just do it and you will get hungry. You will develop a hunger. Scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? Taste and see that, wow, this is really good. And I've watched people over the years do this, you know, and just honestly at the beginning, they kind of had to make themselves go back into having a devotional time. But pretty soon, they're coming with things God has said to them. They're coming with, you know, a new book that they're reading and, you know, all this kind of thing. It, you will develop a spiritual hunger. And Jesus says it's really important. You will be given more understanding if you keep that teachable heart and that um, yearning for truth. Okay, so so what we discovered, this is still kind of review, out of all of this is that, This really comes down to, this this setting the course of our life, it comes down to doing what's necessary to receive not just head knowledge of the Bible, but revelation from God, having that relationship with him, spending time with him to where he is bringing his words alive in our hearts. We've got to be receiving that revelation. But as that comes, then we are going to have a choice to make. So did you find uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30? Yeah. Okay, I want you to back up to the last verse in chapter 29, okay? We just touched on this last week, the last verse in chapter 29, Deuteronomy 29:29. 29, 29. Okay, and this is from the New Living Translation. But your Bible will read something like this. It says, "The Lord our God has secrets known to no one." In fact, let me before I even read that, let me just set the stage again for this. So, where we are in, in the scripture is God is preparing uh, Israel really for going into the promised land. And Moses is still on the scene. But what they've just done is they've had, uh, they've, they put Israel in a valley and they went up on two different mountains each side of this valley and they proclaimed what they called the blessing of the law. All of the, the life, it's really a great description of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. You can find that in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28 verses 1 through 14. And then they took the next uh, 66 minus 14 verses and, and spoke what would be, the, they called the curses of the law. In other words, walking with God, this is what God's will for your life is. All right, Verses 1 through 14. And we have those promises now in Christ, but they haven't changed. God's desire for us hasn't changed. And then they took all this time and they said, this is what life looks like when you're not walking with God. it's really ugly. Okay, I mean, it's ugly. If you want to really get depressed someday, read those verses. Okay, but actually the great thing about it is, here's the good news. Okay, you read those verses and then you read over in Galatians where it says, we have been delivered from the curse of the law through Christ Jesus. He became a curse for us and we are set free from it. So you can actually get very happy going through those curses saying, I don't have to live under that. I don't have to live under that. I don't have to live under that. That's not me, okay? So, so anyway, this is where we are. And, and so Moses is going on. So what God has done is he's made truth really clear to him. You got that? He said, here's my will for you. Here's what is not my will for you. And he's made it really clear. He's taken the time to say it to them. And so we come down here at the end of verse, at the end of chapter 29, and it says, The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. And then it says, We are not accountable for those. We're not accountable for them. The things that God has not revealed to you, you're not accountable for. But we and our children are are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us. Why? So that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. He's just said, here's what, and I I don't, I mean, obedience is incredibly important. It's just people misunderstand it when we use the term obedience in the New Testament, it's really easy for us to make it a legal issue and say, well, if I obeyed, if I did these things, then God has to do these things. It's just not how the New Testament works. But, but it is important that we flow with God and his will and his desires for our life. Okay, so, so the idea is he's made all of this clear and he wants us to be able to walk in the, the good side, the blessings of what he has declared. And so he comes back and he starts this conversation. I want you to listen to this because it's going to really speak to us here in a second. He starts this conversation about, look, there are things that God has not revealed or has not revealed yet. Secrets known to no one, they're in his heart. Okay, You're not responsible for those. And what I see in that is, so we don't get to make an excuse for neglecting something we do know that God has said. Because we don't understand something God has said or something that God hasn't said. We don't know the day or the hour Jesus is going to come back, right? The son doesn't even know the day or the hour we're going to come back. So if you spend all of your time trying to figure out the day and the hour that Jesus is going to come back, and if you go to every prophetic conference that's going to talk about that, which probably isn't a very good prophetic conference, and you, you, know, you spend all your time on that to the neglect of loving God and loving people, you're making a big mistake. The things that he has not revealed, we're not responsible for those. But once he does reveal something to you, then it says we're accountable. And actually some of the other terminology says those things, it's a precious thing. It says those things that God has revealed, they belong to us and to our children. Isn't that interesting? And to our children. So, especially for those of you who are parents, the things that God has revealed to you, they belong to you. They belong to your children. They belong to your family. They're a treasured possession of your family because they are full of life. They are full of blessing. They are full of leading in the right direction. Does that make sense to you? So this is this is an important verse to understand because I, I've just seen a lot of people, you know, over over the years fail to act upon what God has shown them with the excuse of something they don't know yet about God. I don't don't know how long creation was. I don't know if if those six days are are six 24-hour days or if they're longer because the term day is used sometimes to represent a huge period of time and sometimes use a 24-hour period. Well, be curious about that all you want and ask God about it, but don't let it keep you from doing what you do know. Okay, don't let it keep you out of the, the basics of the word. The disciples, remember in Acts chapter one, Jesus was raised from the dead and he came and he had given them their commission and, and, and he came and he walked into the room and scared them and, and uh, he just did that for fun, I think. And, uh, and, and then their question was, okay, when's the kingdom coming? When are you gonna sit on the throne? He told them, that's not for you to know. He said that the, the times and seasons that God has set, those aren't for you to know. But here's what you do need to know. In a few days, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit is poured out and you're going to be my witnesses all over the earth. He said, you know what? This is something you don't need to know. And, I'm, and you're not going to know. This is something you do need to know. And you're going to need to rely on this. Why I'm telling you this is because this is going to be incredibly important for you to reach the world and do what I'm sending you to do, right? Right? So he separated two things, something they didn't need to know. Don't worry about it. Okay? But here's what you do need to know. So the the point is they needed to pay attention to what they were hearing. They needed to pay attention to what he was saying and make that a valued treasure in their lives. And they and they did and that's why the New Testament church was so effective, and I just want to say this to you, I believe with all my heart, the things that God is revealing to you today, the things that he's bringing alive, the things he's speaking to you in your devotional time, or when you're here in church, or wherever it is, the things that he's speaking to you, those are the things you need to focus on. Those are the things I need to focus on. And we have other questions, and it's not wrong to ask God. We should ask God other questions, and there are things, Lord, this is coming up, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but he seems to be talking to me about something else I had to learn this the hard way, but I've learned I need to pay attention to the something else, what he is saying. That's what I need to pay attention to. And as I do that, if he needs to bring revelation about this thing or when he needs to bring revelation about this thing, he will. I promise he will. But don't forsake what he is saying over what you don't know yet. Okay. Boy, I could go. There are so many ways that we do that, but we need to We need to move on. So jump down there in chapter 30, if you would, down to uh, verse 11. And let's just go through some of this. Because we set the course of our life daily by choosing life. And that's what the Lord told them to do. In this passage, he said, look, I've laid this all out before you. I've, I've given you blessing and cursing, life and death. Choose life. So the point is, every time God says something to you or highlights a verse to you or gives you instruction, every time you and I have a choice to make. Are we going to choose it? Are we going to prefer it? Are we going to give it place in our hearts? Are we going to lift it up? Are we going to give it priority and authority is the word I'm looking for. As God reveals things to you, are you giving those things authority in your life? That's what making Jesus the Lord of your life means. Making him savior means thank you Lord for redeeming me from my sin and and bringing me into relationship with you. Making him Lord means he's in charge. okay? And, and I'm not. So, um, so that's what that means. It means we give value to what he said. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 11. He says, This commandment which I have commanded you this day is not too difficult for you. I love that. Nor is it far off. It's not a secret laid up in heaven that you should say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you in your, notice this, in your mouth, in your mind, in your heart so that you can do it. There's a lot we could say about that and I don't want to take, there's some other things we need to get to, but so interesting you know, we can run that whole process, that whole little dynamo, any way that we want to. If if something is stored up in our heart, it's going to illuminate the mind. It's going to come out the mouth. If we keep talking about something, good or bad, if we keep talking about it, thinking about it, uh, agitating about it, talking to our friends about it, conversing about it, it's going to end up in the heart and affecting the way you think. Okay, this whole thing is linked together. But he says, the word is very near you. And these people, they weren't born again. They weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. These people, this was Israel. This was under the old covenant. The word is very near you. It's in your mouth. God has made the word so available to us. See, he says, what I'm commanding you this day is not too difficult. That term difficult means an extraordinary deed that is beyond the ability of the average person. Okay, difficult. It's difficult. It means it's beyond the ability of the average person. So he's saying, my word is not like that. It is not beyond your ability to hear, to receive, or even to do. Why? Because we know from the New Testament that the word carries the ability to bring itself to pass. If we will receive it as seed and let it grow in our hearts, it will change us. It will bring itself to pass in us, okay, and through us. And so uh, the word difficult means it's not beyond your ability. It's not, it's not something Superman has to do, okay? Or um, the term difficult also speaks of an understanding that is beyond the average person's ability to comprehend, too deep or too complex, beyond your ability to comprehend. So he's saying, the word that I'm giving you, you can't use this excuse, Okay, you can't, I can't use this excuse. I can't say it's just too deep. It's too complex. I can't understand it. You were designed to receive his word. You were designed. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, right? You were designed. And I know you might not feel that way, but you were designed for, for a relationship with God, to know him, to know his heart. As a New Testament believer with the Holy Spirit living in you, it says you actually hold the thoughts and intents of his heart on the inside of you okay? You're designed for this. So don't, don't let yourself or somebody else talk you out of the idea. Don't let them tell you, oh, the word's just, it's just too hard. It's just too difficult, okay? The words he's speaking to you, they're not too high. They're not too theological, difficult. They're not too spiritual, okay? In fact, God's, God's wisdom is incredibly simple and incredibly profound at the same time. It's, it's the way it is, all right, and then he goes on and he says, "It's not like the word is across the sea. It's not somewhere else." Let, let me let me back up a little bit. This idea of not being able to comprehend it or it being a secret laid up in heaven. I was raised in a church culture. Well, we weren't in the church culture very much, but anyway, uh, when we were there, uh, the culture was. We had to have an intermediary between us and God. The priest was the only one. I mean, they told us this. This is something I still need to pray through. (laughs) I just realized I'm still upset about it. I thought I'd gotten over this. Uh, When I got born again, I realized, I mean, I've been told, don't read your Bible. I've been told, don't read your Bible. I'm telling you the opposite today. Okay, I've been told don't read your Bible. You've got to have the priest read it and interpret it because he's the only one. Now, the interesting thing is that we do have offices in the church. We have five-fold ministry, and we have that kind of thing. We have different giftings in the church. There is an anointing that we can receive from, from apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, and, and we'll receive some things that we don't get on our own. But that's not a substitute for your own personal relationship with God. You have the Holy, in fact, we just talk about the prophetic for a second. We're told in the New Testament, when the prophet speaks, you're supposed to weigh it out. I'm supposed to weigh it out. We don't just take it because the prophet said it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he'll either bear witness to it, then you need to take it, or he won't. And he'll say, that is not of me, you know, but there'll be something that'll rise up in you. We each can hear from God and God. And so which is it? Which is it? Are we supposed to receive from, you know, these ministers and stuff? Or are we supposed to receive on our own? Yes. Both. God does both. And he does it a little differently. And I don't know why. You'll have to go ask him. It's one of those things he hasn't revealed to me. So you go ask him. Um, I don't know why. But in the corporate gathering, he does do and say different things than he does just in our own time. We need both. We need an individual devotional time. Absolutely. And we need to be a part of the body and receive from the fivefold ministry gifts and other gifts in the body. But but so this thing of it's not a secret laid up in heaven. You we don't have the excuse of saying it's it's got to be I've got to find the right you know spiritual person to direct me. No. The spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And then you and then you add other things to that, but the spirit of God lives on the inside of you. The word is very near you. It is in your heart, it is in your mind, it is in your mouth. Does so that make sense to you? Okay. So uh, and he says it's not across the sea, okay? It's just the idea, as you might surmise, of it being too far away uh, or to be able to see it or grasp it. And you can take that either from the idea of what God's saying is no matter where your life is or how lost you feel right now or how confused you feel right now, his word is near you. Never believe that it's not. Okay, you haven't violated him so badly that he's withdrawn from you. It never happen. Not since Jesus took whatever that sin is to the cross. Okay. Never happen. God's word is near you. It's not so far away. It might feel far away, but it's not. And and we've got to take those things and understand: no, God's word is near me. I can hear from him. He is going to speak to me. He probably is speaking to me. Holy Spirit, help me to hear what you are saying. You know, it's It's not across the sea. And the other thing with that is, it's great to go to conferences and go to places and go, to, you know, and, and tap into something that's happening there. Those are awesome things and we should do them. But we can't, again, I think the Lord's eliminating excuses here. It's not like you are, the only way you can get what you need is to go to this, okay? It's, it's, there and I'll have to back up a little bit on that one. There might be times where the Lord, and I've had this happen, I've had the Lord specifically send me to a conference to get something. He'd been talking to me about it for actually most of a year, but I wasn't getting it. He sent me to a conference, sent us to a conference, and a bunch of things that he wanted to do with this church gelled in that conference. Okay? So so that's great. If the Lord sends you to something, go, you know. But we can't take the mental attitude. And excuse ourselves from what we're hearing because oh, this is just too far. It's just the words got, I think it's way over there, and I can't get over there. And he's eliminating excuses here uh, in our ideas. So we need to basically just reject the idea that God's not revealing what you need. No matter how hard your life feels right now, he is. And I said this to you last week. If, if when you're facing something, if you will start paying attention to what God's saying daily, writing things down for most of us is what that means, then when you come to something you don't know what to do, if you will look back over the last six months, or year, 18 months, almost invariably you'll find the wisdom for what you need because God gives it ahead of time. I'm a firm believer that God is not the God of the last second as is a popular conversation. I think we just don't listen until the last second, and then he gets it to us in a really dramatic way sometimes. But I don't believe that's his nature. I believe he does, he gives us the word ahead of time so that we have time for it to grow in us. And so I'm just telling you another just practical thing. Go back and look at what he has said. Okay, and just... Um, you know, some people, I, I wrote a couple of these down. You know, this whole idea. You just never know what God's going to do. But you can because you have the mind of Christ. doesn't mean you're going to know everything God's going to do, but you're going to know what you need because you have the mind of Christ. You have his heart. You have his mind living on the inside of you. Here's, here's a good one. My mom used to say this. Uh, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Anybody ever hear that? God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. So, I throw up my hands and just go through, drift through life rather than using the rudder, okay? That, my mom, I remember a conversation with her shortly after I got born again, and I was probably being impudent, but uh, she brought that up and both, actually, my one brother and I said, that's not in the Bible. And, you know, anyway, it's not in the Bible. It's, that's from a poem, okay? That, that, that is from a poem and poems are fine, but they're not the word of God, Does God have mystery? Yep, he just said that. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Is there mystery to God? You bet. But does God reveal his heart to you? Read 1 Corinthians chapter two. Read the whole thing. The Holy Spirit says dives into the deep things of God in order to reveal them to us. This is the relation he wants with you. Read 1 Corinthians chapter two. Just read it. Okay. It's, it's very plain. So, so we need to, if that's been your theology, and so you kind of, maybe you're not, maybe I'm being too harsh saying you're making an excuse. Maybe this is just what you've believed. Well, unbelieve it. Okay. There's a good thing to unbelieve and start believing. I hear the voice of my good shepherd. He is going to reveal what I need. He's going to even reveal it to me ahead of time. Just start and so start going to him every day and just settle on whatever it is that's standing out to you from the word or from somebody's message or whatever. Just settle on that, take that, meditate on that, put that in your heart and in your mouth and, and just deal with that. And you can keep asking questions about the problem that's coming up in a month. You can keep asking those and, and he'll show you things, but don't get so hung up on that that you miss what he's saying today. That's all I'm, is that clear? Is that making sense? Okay, okay. We got to finish this. Verse 15, he said, I have set before you, right? I have set before you. I don't know what it says because that's all I wrote down. Is this is where it says life and death, blessing and cursing. Yeah, I have a Bible here. Hang on. It looks like an iPad, but really it's a Bible. See, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil. That term set before you means, I love this, to give freely To place in front of, to pass on knowledge or instruction, and this is my favorite, to give full permission of access to. Full permission of access to. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. I've given you full permission to access this understanding. What an awesome deal. This is Old Testament. This is the Old Testament. People think the Old Testament is bad. This is the Old Testament. We have it better in the New Testament. All right, let's go on. We're getting close. Deuteronomy 30, 17 says, but get this. Oh, I better read verse 16. It says, if you obey the commandments, oh yeah, this is good too. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and keep his commandments and statutes and ordinances. See that? Commandments, statutes, ordinances. Then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you're going to possess. It means life will be good, okay? So he says, if you obey the commandments of the, uh, of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and so whenever we hear something like that, especially as Americans, I think we go, uh-oh, here it comes, here come the rules, here come the regulations. But look, look what he says. What is the first one? To love the Lord your God. To love, okay, I want you to do what I'm telling you to do. Uh Uh-oh, what's that going to be? What's he going to take away from me? What's what's he going to do to my life? I want you to love the Lord your God. Jesus said in John 14, 15, I think, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He wasn't saying that like your mom. He wasn't saying, well, if you really loved me, you'd take out the garbage. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, if you love me, you're going to walk with me. If you, so what do we want to focus on? I want to walk with you. Fall in love with him. Spend time. It's really hard not to fall in love with him if you spend time with him. It's really hard. I mean, you'd have to really close your heart to who he really is to not do that. Okay? So just spend time with him. And as you enter into this loving relationship, fruit's going to be born in your life. But he talks here about commandments and statutes and decrees. And the reason he wants you to walk in these things is because life is good when we live it the way God designed it. So here's what those mean, just real quickly. Commands the whole body. That word means the whole body of divine instruction or the whole counsel of God. Okay, so the idea is as you love God, He's just going to reveal more and more of himself to you. And there's this thing we call the whole counsel of God. It means we're not just picking and choosing. We're not just picking one thing we like and ignoring something else. We're open to the whole counsel of God. Then he goes on, he talks about decrees or statutes. Those are specific principles and they can either be oral or written. So they can either come from the written word or it can be what the Spirit of God is speaking to you that agrees with the written word. He says uh, it says they are specific principles that de- define God's will and give us the specific directions we need to carry out or walk in that will. Okay, so he wants us to have those too. He wants us to have the whole counsel of God, but he's going to give us specifics for our life. What a deal! That's awesome. That's that's what we we need. And then it talks about laws or judgments. Those are specific legal judgments that are rendered. Okay. So these are instructions that God will give you about what God has decided is life and death, blessing and cursing. A lot of times we're wrong about what we think makes life work well, okay? And our culture is way off on what it thinks is godly or ungodly, but God will show you that. And as you love the Lord your God, he'll open these things up to you and you'll have the instruction that you need. Is that I think that's great news. Okay, let's go on to verse 17. It says, I I love this too. I love this whole passage. But if your mind and heart turn away and you will not hear. When your mind and heart turn away, you decide you will not hear. Okay, It doesn't say you cannot hear. It says you will not hear. But then you're drawn away to worship other gods and to serve them. You know, I've said this a bunch of times. An idol is anything that holds more influence. That you love more than God or has more influence in your life. Chris Valentin says an idol is anything that you have to check with before you obey God. Okay. That's the idea here. If you will not hear, then you're going to get kind of cold. Your mind and heart are going to be drawn away. So it's, and you're going to end up putting something else in God's place in your life. It's what we do. All right. So it's really important, really important to be careful what you're hearing, to listen to the Lord, to keep that tender spirit, to keep that teachable heart, to keep your heart open. It's really important because, again, it doesn't say if you cannot hear, it says if you will not hear. And the scripture tells us over in Proverbs that neglecting the word has the same result as refusing the word. Okay. So you might not be outright refusing it, but if you're just neglecting it, the end result is the same, okay? Does that make sense to you? All right, let's go to this last verse. And, oh, man, don't look at your watches. Let's go to this last verse, last two verses, chapter, or verse 19 and 20. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I, may, that I have set before you, again, I've made it plain, given you access to, I've set before you life and death, blessings and the curses, therefore choose life choose life. So the idea is every time God speaks to us, we have a decision to make. We can either choose it, prefer it, value it, invest ourselves in it, apply it, that kind of thing. Or we can neglect it or reject it. All right. And it's always going to be up to you. It's God has made, he's given you a free will. So he wants you to act, you know, to desire him and to seek him. And when you do that, man, he'll pour stuff out to you. But Uh, when we just decide to neglect it, he's not going, he'll keep, he'll keep knocking at your door for sure, because he's faithful. But you always have to choose to walk with him. You have to choose life. Okay. And he says, so that your descendants may live, here we go again, and may love the Lord your God. I love that. Here's what happens when we choose life. We live, We love the Lord our God, we obey his voice, we cling to him, for he is your life. He is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? He is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land that I swore to give you. So just very briefly, I'm just going to give you a quick little list here. Here's how we choose life, okay? We're not just choosing survival, we're not choosing physical life. We're choosing eternal life. We're choosing the abundant life. We're choosing Zoe life, what, what Jesus came to give us. So I'm just going to rattle these off to you real quick. Okay. Choose what feeds your spirit. Okay. Choose what deepens your relationship with God. Choose the, what enhances or draws you toward rather than opposes holiness. If you want to choose life on a daily basis, choose What deepens your relationship with God? And you can just think that through for yourself. You have choices every day, okay? Choose to honor God first. Choose, just make the choice. Every day, I'm going to honor God first with my heart, my time, my influence, my possessions. My heart, my time, my influence, my possessions. I will honor God first. When you make that choice, you're choosing life, okay? Choose people and places that encourage your growth in God even when you find that challenging, Choose people and places that encourage your growth with God. They don't suck that out of you, okay? Choose to spend your time there, all right? A couple more. Choose faith, not fear, okay? Pray from faith, live by faith, not fear. Don't let fear rule your life. We've talked about that many times, okay? Here's a good one. Choose to draw some conclusions about what you believe, choose to draw some conclusions there's a real current in our, in our society that we ask lots of questions but we should never draw a conclusion because there's all these truths out there no there's not, Christian no there's not, there's one, his name is Jesus and I understand lots of people, good people we love them but Jesus is the truth he's the way, the truth, and the life God's word, Jesus said Father, your words are truth I'm taking Jesus word for it so so go ahead Christian doesn't mean don't be teachable not to let him draw you into something more but go ahead on things that are clear and and decide what you believe okay and and stand for it I, I think it's a real mistake the Christian world is we're trying to I think be relevant to a culture that is completely uh, in in relativism <laughs> and doesn't believe that there's a that there's any truth. We're trying to be relevant, so we don't want to say we believe anything. We need to believe something, okay? That way you're not going to be blown around by every popular idea and doctrine and everything, okay? Choose honor, not selfish living. Choose to honor other people, uh, you know, humble yourself, that kind of thing. Choose forgiveness, not unforgiveness, Choose to believe and pray and declare your belief. And finally, just choose the word and the spirit and relationship with like-minded believers and, again, people that stimulate your faith. Choose those things on a daily basis. That's choosing life. That's making the choice. I'm going to take hold of life. Does this make sense to you? I went a long time. All right, let's stand up and pray together. Thank you, Lord. I don't think we ever get out on time when I teach. Sorry, sort of not much all right thank you father thank you lord and father i pray that as we went through all of this today the things that you in that that you spoke to each of us individually lord the things that resonated with us we make the choice right now to hang on to those to give them value and preference in our life to apply those truths to our life we make that choice And Father God, we ask you to remind us of your word, remind us of who you are, remind us of what you have said. Father, if there are places in our individual lives where we're not choosing life, and we may even be choosing death, Lord, then I'm asking you to show those, highlight those to us, Holy Spirit, so that we can turn that around and bring us the word that we need upon which to base our our trust. So we thank you for all of that. And as we go out into this community this week, Lord, we believe you send us out there to be lights, to be life, to release your life and your presence to people and we accept that assignment. And we thank you for it, Lord. It's nothing we can do on our own, but it's something you will certainly do through us. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, all right, we're gonna be dismissed and then if you guys need prayer or anything, come on up and we'll pray for you. We're gonna say, on the count of three, we're gonna say, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Then we're gonna go out there and be the church, right? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.